I am Nathan Trainer, and this is Nathan Out Loud. My pronouns are he, him, his. In this episode of Nathan Out Loud, we welcome Kathy Young back to the show. Kathy was my final guest in season one, and I've been looking forward to catching up with her. Kathy is the vice president of Youth Market for the American Heart Association and president of their employee resource group for the LGBT community called Hearts with Pride. She has also been very active in Arizona politics and served as area representative and member of the Board of Governors for the Human Rights Campaign. Kathy lives in Phoenix, Arizona with her wife and two kids. You can find Kathy on TikTok at Kathy Young underscore. Here's my recent conversation with Kathy Young. Well, after eight years, I want to welcome Kathy Young back to Nathan Out Loud. Good to see you, Kathy. I can't believe it. (laughs) It was funny. I was thinking of this Friends episode. Yes, I know it's super toxic and everything, but it's on like all the time on repeat in our house. And there's this part where Ross freaks out and and Chandler goes, it's like seven years ago. And so that's all that's just been running (laughs) through my head today in preparation for this. I'm like, it's like it's seven years ago, but apparently it's eight. So it's great to be here. (laughs) It's good to see you. Um, when we, when we spoke last, we were coming up on the 2012 election. We had president Barack Obama, uh, campaigning for his second term, which thankfully he won. But then four years after that, we have had to endure, uh, you know, the orange monster. (laughs) I don't want to dwell on that too much, but I, I'd want to kind of get your sense for how that four years the previous four years uh, under President Barack Obama, and then the next four years kind of changed things for the LGBTQ community. Yeah. I mean, it's this shirt that I wore special for your show today. Oh, yeah. Elections, Elections matter. matter. Right. Um, you know, we go from a rainbow White House to a blacked out, you know, White House hiding, right? Hiding yeah. from everyone. Um, and the hiding from honesty, hiding from truth, right? Everything that the LGBTQ community just wants, right? To be ourselves and to be honest and and truthful and and love who we want um, and just live our lives safely like everyone else, right? And and we're faced with this mess, <laughs> you yeah. know, of um, you know, I mean, you you and I worked hard for the little the little bits and chunks, and and I remember being very frustrated with President Obama, right? I remember we knew he could just sign his name to paper, right? Mm -hmm. And make some change, right? Just like this guy did. And and President Obama would push back all the time and he would say, but then it's not gonna last, Mm -hmm. right? And look at the things that, you know, Trump was able to come in with executive order and just undo, right? Right. And And that's what, you know, President Obama wanted that lasting change for us, right? When he when he said, I'm not just going to change the military and just undo, don't ask, don't tell, right? We're going to get this through Congress. We're going to get right. the hate crimes bill through Congress. You know, marriage equality, he finally threw his support behind, right? But then, you know, he knew that the law had to change, right? It had to be recognized that way. It can't, you can't just magically write things into reality, right? Like, like, like President Trump thinks he can. He can for temporary. You know, he's right. he's made life hard for many people with that pen temporarily, but it'll it'll be undone. Um but you know it's this it's this long standing change, right? And so I've been I've been watching, as we all have, right, the Black Lives Matter movement. And 
you know, Nathan, I know you remember when corporate America finally got behind marriage equality, got mm-hmm. behind right LGBT rights, right? When you look at the Equality Act now and the number of corporate partners that have signed on to that. When I saw the Black Lives Matter movement this time, mm-hmm. right? And you saw these companies come out and, and make these public statements. I was like, okay, okay, now. Changes now, are coming. <laughs> now, now there's going to be some some galvanizing. Now there's there's some potential for change because I remember that that's when the change started to happen. You know, for for us is when these yep. companies weren't afraid of losing money, and they right. were willing to put money behind it. Um, and so you know, and, and I think that all all of that change has to come together, right? You can't you can't have real equality for one group and not bring everybody forward, right? right? So, I mean, we were due marriage equality, right? But, but there still is, I mean, if you look at an employment, right, you look at pay wages for women. You, mm-hmm. you look at, you know, how African-Americans need to be careful what name goes on a resume, right? right. Just, 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 there's all sorts of different games that people still have to play. And, um, and that's the system. Right. That's that's the system and, and what needs to, needs to change at a bigger level. So I'm excited for this new presidency, but people put a lot of ownership on one guy. Right. And, you know, you don't you don't change, you know, pick your city PD. Right. You don't change Phoenix police by Biden. Right. <laughs> like he right. has nothing to do with that. Right. Yep. So if we want to change the prison system, if we want to change policing, if we want to change the overall police union, right, Um, if we want to change the teacher union, because, you know, and I love me some teachers, right, I used to be one. So, (laughs) you know, you got to look at the, the teacher union and how they, you know, also embolden and empower, you know, discrimination for LGBT kids um, because, you know, they're not supporting LGBT teachers enough, right? Those, those folks can still get fired. But what's happening, you know, to black and brown kids in the in the education system and the, the over-disciplining that's happening there. And, you know, so it's not just a police union, right? And I'm a, and I love unions. So I mean I'm a Democrat, yeah. right? So we love <laughs> our unions. But but accountability has to be there across the board if you're gonna change systems. So Yeah, for sure. Um you mentioned teachers, you know, and you being a teacher and the one of the a lot of people have spoken about Betsy DeVos's Department of Education and the you know kind of horror that has come out of there, especially for trans kids and, you know, diversity training and, you know, accessibility to education. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. But first, I kind of want to talk about your experience as a teacher. I know early on in your career, uh, you were a, a PE teacher and, um, you know, ended up not having the greatest uh, experience because of discrimination. And, hope, you know, I know some of that has changed, but a lot of it hasn't. And, you know, I just want to kind of get your, uh, a little bit about your story, what what went on there, and then uh, how you think it's changed over the past you know, number of years since that happened? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I love, I love teaching. I, I was mm-hmm. 
right teacher, a high school PE teacher, but I've taught all my life. So I taught martial arts for over 25 years. And that was my, my real career, which is still PE, right? It's still movement. It's just mm-hmm. uh, getting paid and, and owning a business to do it and uh, having, having some different outcomes. Um, but while I was setting that business up, I decided to become, um, to do sub, to be a sub, right? Who wants to be a sub? Uh, so, <laughs> so I said, I'll, I'll be a substitute teacher. And I ended up getting a long-term sub position in this district. Um, and uh, so it was great. I was, I was there for the, going to be there for the whole year. And, uh, you know, I looked younger, but not much different than I do now. So it's not, uh, you know, you're a PE teacher, you look like I look, right? Didn't take long for, for girls to to maybe suspect mm-hmm. uh, that maybe I was I was gay, right? And so, um, and and there were just these these girls running, you know, walking around in rainbow earrings and you know all of the ways that they could drop hints uh, that they were, and, and they would just come and hang out in the gym in the middle. And uh, and so finally, I would just walk over and I'd be like, "Look, yes, I am. If you need anything, I'm here. Let me know. But you can't." Like, go to class. Like, you can't yeah. just hang out in the... So, finally, they came to me one day, and they said, we want to start a gay-straight alliance. This was back in... And, uh, this 95. Is Sorry, your mic cut out for a second. That was 95, yeah. right? 1995, yeah. This is Sheldon, a uh, little, little quarantine puppy, so he'll be our <laughs> special guest, little guest star today. Um, but anyway, so in 1995, there really wasn't uh, gay-straight alliances in the Phoenix area. Um, it wasn't mm-hmm. a thing. So I, I believe that this was the first one that we were setting up. And again, I'm just there for a year and I don't mm-hmm. want to leave these kids hanging, right? This is something that they need support. They, um, this needs to stay. So it just so happened that the president of the teachers union was, we just talked about unions, right? So the president of the teachers union was at this campus and, uh, and I got a, I got a, I got a good feel, you know, again, she doesn't know me. I've only been there a few months, but I, I got a good feel and I understand how things work. So I went to her and I said, will you co-sponsor this with me? I'm like, this is, you know, this is going to be a thing and I want it to last. And she's like, oh, hell yeah. She's like, absolutely. I'll do this. So I said, okay. And I, and I don't remember discussing it with her, um, but I knew that I wanted to be out, right? If these kids wanted a gay straight alliance and they were going to be out and open, mm-hmm. then then I needed to be, right? And and so obviously there was already questions about my sexuality, right? And assumptions made. Um, and I only taught two. I only taught two classes um, before I had to go to another school and teach two classes. So I was part time at two schools. One was an adaptive PE class, so special ed kids, and one was the mainstream kids. And so I sat the mainstream kids down I said, hey, everybody, uh, there's going to be a new club starting on campus that I'm uh, going to be one of the teacher sponsors for. It's a gay straight alliance. And just, you know, before anybody has any assumptions or anything, I don't need any rumors started. I just I'm I'm gay and uh, let's go do archery. <laughs> so off we <laughs> went to give bows and arrows to the kids and do some archery. Um, and so, you know, some of them had some questions as we were walking out and just, wow, you know, that's cool. And, um, you know, whatever. Right. The next day, uh, I got called into the principal's office hmm. and, uh, I said, okay, I guess I better have my union rep there. So have my union rep there. And, um, 
and you know, the, the principal had happened to be my vice principal in high school. So mm. she knew me. We'd gone mm. way back. And, and I didn't feel like this was really about her. Mm-hmm. but that she was being forced to do this. And that ended up being the case. The board had gotten some calls, right? That had been a big brouhaha. And so they, they made her bring me in. So she said whatever she needed to say about, you know, teach the curriculum and it's not about your personal life, right? And all the magic things that she's supposed to say. And as she's saying this, I'm just looking around her room and, okay, okay. And she finishes and I go, you know, I, I understand all of that. I'm like, and if I'm allowed to bring my family pictures and set them on my desk like you do, I'm like, you don't have to tell your students that you're straight because mm-hmm. I see your, your, you literally have your wedding picture on your desk. You have all of your family photos on your desk. I'm like, so am I okay to bring that then? Because that's not the curriculum, but you're making statements all the time mm-hmm. about your straightness. And she just looked at me <laughs> and went, well, that was well said. She's like, well, why don't you just go back to class? Right. And that was it. Like, and we're friends now we're Facebook friends and we've chatted and she's been helpful, um, you know, in my, in my uh, other career after that. And it, it was not about her. It wasn't what she wanted to do. Um, and the gay straight Alliance is still there today. It has a different name. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still interact with that. A wonderful teacher that that started it with me um and and it's been it's been a very positive thing so you know but yeah that that discrimination you know, I'm, a, I'm a big believer that you're not going to stop bullying in schools until you stop bullying the teachers you know yeah. i mean i i was brave enough to do it but i also knew that i was there for one year right my right. career didn't hinge on this i wasn't going to be blackballed and you know not able to teach in in arizona again right mm-hmm. so i i had you know I had the power to do that. I had the freedom to do that. Um, But, you know, what about all the other teachers that won't step up because of that fear? So, yeah. Um, How have things changed at, you know, in Arizona? I I know there were some uh, school boards that had passed non-discrimination ordinances. um, And, you know, it's been a while. There, There it's, it's hit or miss. You know, it really is. Um, there are some that feel like they have it mm-hmm. uh, under control and in their hiring practices. And then you go on their website and you can't you can't find anything. Um, you know, just in I become active in my legislative district. And uh, and so the different school districts around, including the one that I worked in, um, comes to the meeting sometimes. And so I pushed them on this. I said, you know, where are your positive? They're all oh, there, 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 there. And I, and I said, well, I'm looking at the website. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see it. And, and then some, in fact, the district that I worked in has not dealt with it. And there, and the, and the board members answer was, well, if you look at the demographic of where we live, it just seems like it would be maybe not prudent to update it. And I just go, it's where I worked. It's where I still live and, and my whole family lives here. And, and you're saying that, you know, you're just sending a message to, to the kids that they're not really safe and you're not attracting the best teachers to your district. Mike, and that's right. a, that's a, de- a detriment. Yeah. So, well, you know, I think there is, you know, like you say, there is a lot of work to be done and in your current career, you deal with 
uh, a lot of schools uh, across the country. And is there somewhere that you see as kind of a model for how everywhere else be. but Arizona. Every- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm lucky I get to I get to work in Southern California uh, yeah. and go into all those Southern California schools. And, and it's 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 incredible. I mean, you know, that the teachers are walking around, you know, openly gay and and there's safe space stickers everywhere. And, mm. and there's I mean, it's it's obvious that it's safe. It's mm-hmm. obvious that you can be who you are. And that they will do their best to celebrate that, um, you know, all throughout Southern California. I mean, whether it's L.A., whether it's San Diego, you know, just just about anywhere. I mean, I walk, you know, so former PE teacher, right, having this experience, one of my first interactions with the San Diego school district admin was they were we were going to present to the PE teachers uh, following some presentation. Well, it was a presentation from the local LGBT center on how these, you know, because so much discrimination, so much bullying, I should say, happens in PE. Mm-hmm. Um, and so trying to educate these PE teachers on how to be more inclusive, how to be more supportive, right? How to, how to stop bullying, all of it, right? So now they're being educated right. uh, and, and, and asked to be allies, uh, you know, as opposed to being called to the principal's office and getting in trouble. So yeah, it's, it's changed a lot. And there's, and there's a lot of support out there, um, you know, for teachers and for districts. Um, but I haven't, I haven't quite seen, there are, there are definitely places. I mean, it's, it's a million times better than 1995, but right. Arizona is still different than Southern California. <laughs> yeah, definitely. In, in a lot of ways. Um, so in your current career, you are, uh, Vice President for the American Heart Association. Yeah, it's a Vice President Vice President of Youth Market, um, and so we do education around heart health um, in schools and with with the youth, as well as um, give them the opportunity to to fundraise and help out in our mission. So it's it's great. Yeah, and it, in addition to that, you also are one of the leaders for the Employee Research Resource Group for the LGBTQ employees. Uh, Tell me a little bit about the work that you do there and then also why that's important. Yeah, so uh, I've been fortunate to be the president of Hearts with Pride since it started about six years ago, five, six years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, Nathan, you and I used to do so much with HRC and, you know, just in our community and stuff. And, and uh, you know, when you have a family and everything, right, like some, some things just have to go and what can mm-hmm. be extra time. And, uh, and, and I, well, anyway, that's, that's a whole other thing. Let's stay focused, Kathy. So, uh, (laughs) so this allows me right to get paid to be gay, right? I get to (laughs) get to have, you know, bring my full self to work, help make change both in the AHA, um, Mm. as well as in the, you know, LGBTQ community from a health perspective, um, and, and still do, you know, my, my day job, right. What my, what my vice president title says. Um, and so it's kind of blending the best of both worlds and I don't have to, you know, do a lot of weekend work or go to night meetings or anything like that. It just happens during my regular work. So that's, it's, it's really fueled that, you know, that part that I need, you know, it's, I, I really want to make a difference in the LGBTQ community and continue to, to do that and be a leader in some way. And so this has allowed for that to happen. That's great. And, since you know, since the ERG started, how has that impacted kind of the corporate culture of 
the AHA? I mean, the AHA has really been a leader in trying to set those diversity standards, right, and trying to break new ground. So we're always in kind of that diversity ink best places mm-hmm. to work and 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 all of that. And um, so there's been a CEO diversity advisory council um, that's been internal as well as external volunteers and trying to really broaden what it is that we're doing, but there hadn't been that LGBTQ voice or focus. So it's it's allowed for this focus around LGBTQ health. And so, you know, one of the things that makes the American Heart Association one of the most trusted health brands in the world is the fact that all of our decisions are based in science. So mm-hmm. while while we inherently know, while many other people have stated that the LGBTQ community has health problems, that, um, you know, we smoke at higher levels, there's obesity issues, there's there, there's a whole bunch of things um, that create, you know, heart disease, heart risk for us, um, and reasons why, but the AHA hasn't made a paper. So <laughs> it was hard for the, for the ERG, it was hard for us to do a lot of external work or do things because, again, if the AHA doesn't have science behind it, on its own, then we're not going to do that. So this year, Mm -hmm. uh, just a few months ago, actually, uh, during right around coming out day, uh, we released our first ever um, scientific statement on LGBTQ health. And that was a huge deal. And so now we're kind of up and running a little bit more than we were from an external perspective. And so, um, you know, now I'm getting calls from HRC instead of trying to make calls to HRC, right? And they're like, hey, let's we need to we need to get this out there. We need to start doing a, a big, a, you know, some some big awareness campaign. And how can we help um, around this? And so, so that's been great. It's also just internally has allowed us to have a lot of conversations and make sure that um, you know our, our own house is in order, right? And so I'm a big believer that you don't count if you're not being counted. And there's no there's no box for me to check, right? Uh, I, I don't like to be put in boxes, but I do like to be counted. So I, I want to count on our diversity measure, right? Like I don't count right now. And, and I felt like the Supreme court decision around, um, you know, employment, non-discrimination, right. That that is going to allow for us to have a box. Like we are a protected class in my mind now. Right. So it's like, you know, we, we need, we need to have a box to count on there. And so in-house, <laughs> The dog is not happy with me. In-house no now, they're trying to, <laughs> you know, get that kind of updated and make sure that, um, you know, not only are we asking our volunteers, because we don't even know the power of our own volunteer army and where our LGBTQ volunteers are that can help us with this work. Um, but even our employees, right, unless we self-identify, there's, we don't know, which we would self-identify. We'd have to self-identify anyway, but but just to, to have that box, but then on, on our own health metrics, right? So we have a lot of get with the guidelines and different programs and there's no box. So we're not helping get that health data that we're now going to encourage others to get, right? But, it, but again, we had to have the science first and then, and then the science had to say, there's really not enough data and we need to be doing these other things to get the data that we need so that we can improve the health. So now we can be part of that change. So it's been good. That is good. Sorry, I had to mute for a second. A train was going by. 
we got dogs, trains. We got dogs what, and trains. And, yeah. It's life around here, man. This is life. Yep. That's what happens when your guest bedroom becomes a workplace and a studio and a, you know, hobby table. So. It's okay. I mean, we're, we're, it's just like, it's just like Taylor Swift recording her folklore album. I just watched her. Right. Oh, did you watch that? Yeah. That's on the, uh, on the agenda for, for this holiday weekend. And, uh, and at the end, you know, she was recording and there were cats fighting in the album. So we're on that level (laughs) of, you know, we're right up. We're on the level of Taylor Swift. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, and I think it's something you mentioned earlier how corporate um, involvement and support really drives, you know, change uh, in a lot of ways. And uh, I think the employee resource groups are incredibly important to be able to do that. Like you said, it gives the community a voice and it also makes the employees, you know, feel like they have a place uh, and can be out and be authentic and, you know, can yes. live their lives in a, in a way that not only enhances their lives outside of work, but also in work because we're bringing our best to work uh, yeah. as opposed to feeling like we're hiding anything. So, and we've learned, you know, so many people have come to us and they're like, this is the first time that I feel like I can really be me, mm-hmm. you know? And so, I mean, it's, it's powerful to hear that, right? We're a nationwide organization. So, I mean, you have people, you know, in Alabama, right. That, mm-hmm. that can be part of our ERG and that feels supported and understand that, you know, they're, they're the entire country is behind them, right? Like our, yeah. our CEO, you know, I mean, she, we had, we did, we did our first AHA virtual pride event for employees. Mm-hmm. Right. And we, and again, right. When you think about the, we wouldn't have done that. We go out into the community, right. We want to you know meet the LGBT community where they are. And so we go to prides, right. And we're doing mm-hmm. education, all this, well, we couldn't do that this year. So we held our own. And we sent the invite out to other companies, things like that. But we had a drag queen host. We had um, Julia (laughs) Scotty, who is a transgender comedian that was on um, America's Got Talent. She Mm -hmm. came and shared her story because she has a um, she had a a heart attack. And and uh, and the drag queen uh, is from well known up in in San Francisco and uh, had had a I think recovered from a stroke. Um, I, I believe it was anyway. So they were they were connected to our mission. And, uh, and it was, I mean, the American Heart Association has never had right, a drag performance. I mean, it's just not a thing that we've done. And, uh, and it was just awesome. And, and Nancy Brown is talking about it and popping up pictures, you know, all, all over the place. And so to have that support from, you know, from the top, um, you know, makes you really feel like, okay, you know, this is, this isn't like, I'm, I'm valued, you know, who I am matters and, and I can really be me in this job and it just, you know, makes come to work fun. And it's not just a statement in an employee handbook or on the website, you know, it, it's actually part of the corporate culture, which is incredibly important. Right. Well, we've taken that one step farther now. So we just put out um, a presidential summary, um, a presidential statement on systemic racism and, uh, and we have a 2024 goal around basically shutting down discrimination uh, as it comes yeah. to health. And, you know, you can take the science, right? And this is all rooted in science. We've done X, Y, Z, and it doesn't matter because if Michelle has a stroke and her doctor says you need to do 
this amount of rehab and you need to cut sodium and you need to do this. And Michelle's like, okay, well, I only have public transportation Mm -hmm. and the public transportation, right, only runs to these places, but I don't have any insurance. So the rehab is too expensive so I can walk, but my streets aren't safe enough to do the rehab and walk. And I can't buy fresh fruits and vegetables because I live in a food desert. So I have access to these canned vegetables, but look at what sodium is in the canned vegetables. And my doctor just said, I have to cut all this. So everything that she has to do to heal is all based on the systems of redlining that are against mm-hmm. her. And if, you know, had, had her have lower wage jobs, right. Not have access to insurance for everybody. Um, and then in these food deserts where people aren't. So it's, um, it's interesting. And then, you know, when you look at the LGBTQ community, um, the tobacco companies target us at a higher rate. Oh yeah. And they, and they use the fact that, um, you know, we don't have those strong social circles, right. With our families, right. From a young age. And so you should see how they're attacking LGBT youth with vaping now. And, you know, and it's just a money-making scheme, right. They don't care. They just want to make money. And here was, here was the generation that was going to end smoking and they have found a way to get that going again by targeting youth and specifically LGBTQ youth. So it's a, it's a, it's a circle, you know, of how people are able to use these systems and this discrimination, you know, against, against folks. So. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, especially you talk about the systemic racism and, you know, everything uh, that, people of color have to deal with, you know, because of poverty, because of redlining, because of, you know, environmental discrimination, you know, I mean, all of those impact the health and wellness of those communities. And there's no way of getting out of it without changing the system. Um, So that's, that's great. I mean, I I hadn't heard about that. So, um, you know, obviously your career, you've been devoted to education and I mean, you and I've known each other for what, 15 years or so now. Uh, and it, one of the things that I've always respected about you and, and appreciated is your approach to activism and how you, you really do approach it from an educational standpoint, you know, explaining, you know, why very clearly and concisely all of these policies need to change and how discrimination against LGBTQ people um, not only impacts their life at work, but their life at home uh, and their contributions to the community. Um, With There's still work to be done. And, you know, I just kind of want to get your sense for how that approach has worked for you and where you have seen, seen change happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the approach that's comfortable for me, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not, I'm not the go, uh, you know, somewhere and chain myself to a building. Uh, you know, there's a place for that in in a movement, right? There's a, there's Mm -hmm. a place for that. I, I am for these big marches. Um, that are and that power in numbers, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but but it's the message you have to have a, a message that that brings people along, and that um, 
you know, you can change hearts and minds. And, and, and there were so many people, right, when marriage equality was being talked about, that when they knew I had a kid that I didn't have legal rights to, that was a game changer. They were like, wait a minute, what? We just thought that it was like marriage. This applies to, wait, what part of your life does this, you know? And then, and then that's where the change happened, right? And so it's, it's education, but it's also just sharing, you know, I, I have the ability to, to be myself and to be authentic. And, mm. and I have been very fortunate that there have not been very many consequences because of that. Right. Mm. I have been able to have successful careers. I've been able to, to have, a, you know, family that has supported me the entire time and, and a solid friend group. Right. And so I've been able to speak out and been able to be authentic and, and educate from that place. So it's, it's worked great. It was, um, so I say all that and, and my face at the beginning said that, that maybe not how I feel now, but it's how, you know, this whole parlor thing that has started, right. This whole parlor social media platform has started, right. Because people want their free speech. Okay. And really what that means is they don't want to be fact-checked. Like they don't want to be accountable for their words. Right. They don't want to be accountable for their words, but also no words, but theirs matter. I feel mm -hmm. like. And, and so, you know, I enjoy political conversation and it does not need to be my opinion. I enjoy hearing the other side. I've had amazing, you know, conversation around gun rights and, and where there's a ton of common ground, right, on, on gay rights. And there's a ton of common ground. And, you know, when you can have real conversations and I'm worried that, you know, people aren't interested in that anymore, right? And so, so then how, how do you have educating conversations? How do you have, right? Like, is there a persuadable middle anymore, right? If you wanna talk right. politics, is there a persuadable middle? Um, when everybody is running, not everybody, when there's a group of people that are running towards just wanting to hear the same thing and not, and not even be like, okay, but wait, look at how many people are saying that that's, that's a lot. Like, it's not true. And, and they, right. they want to go over here to, to keep you. I mean, my Facebook feed, all of a sudden, right, with the election and, and Trump's loss, not filled, but I have Republican friends. I have Republican family. And next thing I knew, it was all this, find me on parlor, find me on parlor, right? Oh, I'm wow. sick of the censorship. Find me on parlor. My Facebook has been the best it's been in four <laughs> years. Yeah. So I'm not saying that I'm not a parlor fan because they're clearly <laughs> taking their crap to another platform. Right. I and mean, I have been loving TikTok. TikTok has gotten me through this uh, quarantine. I don't think my family mm. likes me on TikTok, but I love it. <laughs> I'm having a blast. It and makes me feel so old because I I opened it. I started recording. I'm like, how? Because I see what other people are doing on it. And I'm like, how do they do that? I, you know, and I probably need to spend more than 35 seconds on it. But oh, my God, yes. it is hilarious. <laughs> it is the best thing. But it's also people being real. So mm -hmm. I think I think it's what Twitter was for me way back in the beginning. Right. I was mm -hmm. I was an early Twitter adopter. and yep. 
loved how you could really connect with people, love the authenticity of it, right? Twitter's changed now. It's right, it's corporate. It's it is what right. it is. There's so much noise on there that I can't connect. I don't feel like I can connect to people anymore. Either people say things, but it goes to a vacuum as opposed mm-hmm. to you used to be able to really connect and have a conversation. Not that TikTok is having a conversation, but hey, it's funny as hell. <laughs> it's it, you know, I mean, I have Gen Z kids. So I, I love I love this Gen Z, but to see them really, really just use their voice on mm-hmm. this platform gives me so much hope uh, mm. and is amazing. And then and then I just never want you know I have an open Facebook to like whatever my mom tagged me in that I have yeah. the <laughs> you know it's like okay go go like mom stuff. Uh, I have to post new pictures of the puppy um, because I have ants that care about that. So I, I post new pictures of, and then I scroll for a little while and then I would get angry again and just close and leave. Right. And now, you know, I mean, now that parlor's there, I can scroll and I can, I can, <laughs> I can be like, Oh, look, there's, there's, there's no, you know, this post was taken down because it's a lie. You know, yep. there's just, it's just people. And I understand the elections over and stuff, but they're, it's just, it's just different. And, um, so I, but I worry about that. I worry that, that the persuadable middle is gone, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, um, that everybody just wants to, you know, I don't know, everybody, everybody's just looking at a meme, you know, they, they want to get their news from a meme and not, not hear about real people and real stories. And, and that, that concerns me. Yeah, I was talking with our mutual friend, Megan Stabler, and uh, she was saying, you know, how important the conversations are to have with people and to listen and, you know, kind of find that common ground that you talk about. And I had the same thought. It's like, how do you, how do you have those conversations when people aren't willing to show up, you know, when people aren't willing to listen or even Mm -hmm. to, you know, a lot of people say they're not, not able to share their thoughts because they'll get censored. You know, I mean, I, there's a perception that, you know, other people are controlling their, you know, what they have to say and things like that. Um, and that's why they go to parlor because they yeah. can say whatever they want and not have somebody respond to them and say, well, actually that's, a lie or well actually here's how that impacts my life negatively you know so um it is going to be interesting to see how we adjust to that and how you know like president-elect joe biden has said you know how we heal the nation um i think it's probably going to be a generational thing you know i don't think it's going to be something that four years of a biden harris administration can can fix. Um, but you know, well, and again, we can it's, be hopeful. It's great to see, you know, I mean, my, my kids are taught, right? Like Ian's like, no, I can't use that website. It's too biased. Like he mm-hmm. knows, right. When he's writing papers, he's like, Nope, I, I don't, I don't go there. I don't look at that. Um, you know, and, and they're, and they're taught that, uh, it's not just him, you know, but it, it's, so they're, they're having to educate, you know, the, the youth on what are real sources, right? What, where are you getting your information, right? How are you being manipulated? Like they're, so Gen Z, right? That's why it's like, our, you know, 
I'm a Gen X. And so, you know, the rumors, right? Like I have to tell my mom, I'm like, mom, I'm like, don't like, that's not real. Like that's not right. accurate. Like you, you, you know, don't, don't freak out about that story over there because it's, it's actually not real. Right. And then she'll see it and she's like, Oh, and you know, it's, so they're they're not being educated, right? And then the Gen X is being, I think, taken advantage of, right? So mm-hmm. you're they're, you're starting to see that, and they're just like, no, I'm this is raw. Like I have a lot of old high school people that are just very, you know, pissed off people. And and yeah. I had one, you know, one guy who, you know, he he did an interesting. He's like, I went to Joe Biden's Facebook page, and it'll show you how many mutual friends. Right. Like so mm-hmm. many friends like this. He's like, and then I went to Trump's page and and he was, I mean, easily two to one. Right. Trump over Biden for oh, his wow. for his friends. Now, he's moved to Texas. He lives in Texas and everything, um, just like you troublemakers. Yep. But um, <laughs> but, you know, so I don't know who his friend circles are now. Right. But coming from Arizona is not not much better. But my Facebook Right. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course, I have, you know, LGBTQ friends from all over. Right. But I, like I said, I do have my my core. And uh, and I think I mean, I had liked Trump's page before and, you know, like just from way back when or, you know, whatever, because it's just kind of always been a weird entertainer to follow or whatever. So uh, but yeah, I mean, mine was like three to one. Right. Biden to, to Trump. Oh, wow. And so I posted that. And he's like, well, that's interesting. He's like, huh? And then he's like, well, Kathy, I, I support many of your things, but for me, it's just China. It's just about China. So that's why I'll be voting for Trump. And I'm like, how do you even say that? You know, like, right. I mean, I get that you're a cis straight white man that has all that privilege. So you can just make some random decision about China. Yeah. Like, what does that even mean? You know, when it's like, I support many of your causes, which is like my life. Like, like it's right. not it's not a cause lgbtq it's equality is not a cause for me right, right? it's like literally life yep. so it's fascinating yeah and that's that's something that i try and communicate you know and even educating family members or people that i went to school with you know i grew up in utah so worse than arizona <laughs> um for sure. and you know sharing articles about how to identify misinformation and sharing articles about, you know, what are reputable uh, news sources and things like that. Um, I didn't feel like it mattered. (laughs) And that was kind of, and then especially after seeing the, uh, the outcome of the election, you know, 71 or however many million of, excuse me, however many millions of, I can't even say that number without choking on it. Um, (laughs) How many people voted for him after, you know, four years of lies and corruption and uh, chaos? Um, Like, I think, you know, hopefully for what's left of that persuadable middle who ended up voting for him after President-elect Biden is sworn in, you know, they will see things not chaos coming out of the White House and a Twitter feed and, you know, on the news cycle. And hopefully that will kind of open their eyes to, you know, how unreasonable the last four years have been or how, you know, horrible they have been for so many people. Um, But, you know, talking about that, I wanted to talk to you about kind of your wish list and what you, what hopes you have for 
a Biden-Harris administration? Right, there's so many things. Um, <laughs> but I need the Democrat Party, I need the Democrat Party to to get better at their mm-hmm. message. Um, and I yep. need... I, I need a backbone <laughs> to grow yep. in the Democratic Party. So, you know, the administration is what it is, right? I mean, like like I said before, if we don't if we don't take the Senate, Biden has nothing. Right. Right. I can have all the big dreams I want and none of them will get through Mitch McConnell. Mm-hmm. So. So Georgia is so important and that and that election to give us any kind of a fair shot. Um, in the Senate, we, we cannot make the big changes that need to be made. So, you know, I'm grateful that the bleeding will stop. I'm grateful that we can, you know, he can, he can easily undo um, a lot of the LGBTQ discrimination that's, that's happened with that stroke of a pen, right? There were no, mm-hmm. not a lot of real laws that were, that were made, but he can, he can put diversity talk back into the, into the system. He can, you know, undo the trans military issues and, and, you know, all of that. Um, but ultimately, you know, I don't feel like the democratic party communicates an economic message. Well, um, and we will continue to have problems in, in winning blue collar workers over, which we should never have those problems. Right. You know, but it's, we don't have we we right when you look at the map so one of the favorite things is you know right is that that meme as we talk about mm-hmm. memes is the one where <laughs> you know how are they you know, look at all these red right look at all this red and that's you know how is how is trump not winning right and then you show the, the little dots right and it's like well because people vote right and, and not land yeah. well but the problems the problems of that white space Right. And so one one family oversees a tremendous amount of that white space on that map. Mm-hmm. And our messages talk to the people in the condensed blue spaces. Right. We right. the Democrats have a have a very urban, you know, message. And and we and we, you know, how does a 15 a 15 dollar uh, minimum wage play in rural America? Right. How does that work for farmers? You know, and I'm not saying I have the answer to that, but you have to have an answer for that. You can't just sure. say, well, we need we need health care for everyone. When, again, you don't have a small business plan for what that looks like, potentially, or you're not saying it very well. Because, again, what does that mean? Right? I've got family in, in, in rural America and, and it's it's a different it has to be a different message. So, you know. We will continue to win the popular vote. We will continue to have this massive spread in the popular vote. But are you really governing for everyone? You can say that. But are you governing for everyone if if the, the policies that you talk about the most keep impacting the urban areas? Right. And so and I think, go yeah. ahead. No, sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt. I no. Something that I had thought about kind of going into the election and, you know, Nancy Pelosi has dedicated her life to service and has done some amazing things. Um, I 
hate to say this, but I think she's a liability in a lot of those areas because, you know, I, I see it here in Texas, you know, in North Texas here, people talking about the coastal elites, you know, you have a San Francisco congressperson as the Speaker of the House, you have a New York senator as the Democratic leader. How do you, I don't think until there's, you know, that diversity in the leadership that that message is going to change. I think that the same goes for the National Party, you know, until they're able to reach into rural America and, you know, find leaders in rural America to help develop those uh, policies and those those plans, that messaging. Um, well, isn't that isn't that isn't that Mayor Pete? Struggle. I mean, Mayor Mayor Pete yeah. was about the closest thing, <laughs> right, that we had. Yep. And and I felt could speak to that. He wasn't my first choice. He was my second. But uh, and yep. Biden was nowhere. I don't think even in my top <laughs> four or five. Right. I mean, I'm definitely a settled for Biden uh, person. But uh, but yeah, that you know, it's we are very much about the we, right? And when you're living in a city, when you're living in close quarters, when you're, you know, you have to have that we mentality, like, because you can't get away from it. But it's not we when your nearest neighbor is a is 100 miles away. Yeah. Right. We, we is my family, right? We is how does this impact my dollar, right? How does this impact my wallet? And, and, and when you're when you're in a, a city, impacting your wallet impacts everyone, right? Like it is more of a we feeling. And so until we reckon that you're, you're not going to fix this divide. And so, and, and you're not, and you're not getting rid of the electoral college. We are, we are not going to have an amendment that we're going to change. There's no way in hell that we're ever going to get to that number. So this is, so this is where we're at. So the that you know, I mean, I'm all for the super Democrat policies. I'm all for this left. You know, we're not. It's not socialism. We're not even close to socialism with these things that are being put out there. But, but you got to measure it to what does this do for the farmer in Kansas, right? And how? And then how do you message that? Because you can't just message it to, you know, the poor guy in New York City. Right. And so and we suck at that. So, you know, I don't know if Biden is the guy to, to, you know, as the leader of the party. Right. So sure. Sure. I mean, sure. There's, there's, there's hopes and dreams of, you know, all the things, but ultimately I would, I would like for us to keep getting elected. Right. I would like, we have done the right does their thing and then we compromise and move to the right. And then the mm-hmm. right does their thing. And then we compromise and move to the right. We have moved right. to the right so much. So don't get me wrong. I would love for somebody like, I mean, AOC is very much needed in our party because mm-hmm. somebody has got to drag us to the left Yep. because then maybe we'll actually get back to what you and I thought of was the middle. <laughs> right. You know, we used to settle for the middle a lot. Yep. The middle feels way to the right now. Oh, it absolutely is. And, you know, I don't, A big part of that is the influence of, you know, the corporate media and Fox News and, you know, it's even getting worse now with, you know, Newsmax and OAN and, you know, dragging people who were once reasonable, you know, into conspiracy theories and and right wing 
yeah. uh, you know, policies and that. So I, I agree. I think finding a way to message uh, that brings, you know, reasonable people into, into the party and, you know, expands the map. Um, I, it's going to be difficult to make any, any significant change. Yeah. So, um, I, although this year was record, um, record numbers of LGBTQ, uh, representation, uh, winning elected office. Uh, you know, we had several transgender, uh, people who are elected to state houses and, uh, state senates, which is amazing. We had uh, more LGBTQ members elected to Congress. Um, so I think as a community, you know, yeah, they were a lot of them were in very, you know, urban areas and, you know, things like that. But I think that representation um, will help across the board, you know, even uh, in just elected members of Congress knowing somebody who's LGBTQ and how that impacts, you know, their decision-making. So hopefully, you know, can bring them over. Um, and then in Arizona, you know, when we spoke eight years ago, <laughs> we were talking about Senator Kirsten Cinema, or at, at the point at that time running for Congress. And she, you know, served three terms in Congress and now she's a Senator, you know, one of, I think, is it two or three um, LGBTQ members of Congress in Tammy. the Senate. Yeah, I think it's still it just her just, and Tammy Baldwin. Okay. Yep. Um, and then Arizona also flipped another seat. So two Democratic uh, senators, which is which is exciting. It yeah, I me mean, who knew that I would love, I moved. <laughs> I would love uh, you know, McSally so much, right? Like who, I mean, right. she's the best Republican the Democrats have ever had. <laughs> she put, she put somebody two, that really likes to lose. Democratic yeah, senators really... <laughs> in. I mean, it's the best thing. <laughs> yep. Um, I, I said the other day to somebody, I was like, for a party who likes to win, you know, Trump claims he's winning all the time. He's lost Pennsylvania like four times now because of recounts and... <laughs> And then, you know, 38 cases in court or something like that. Um, Same goes for Martha McSally. You know, she just loves to lose. Uh, You'd think that you would change your message after losing, but it doesn't seem to happen. I think that kind of goes to the, um, you know, lack of awareness. Well, I think Governor (laughs) Ducey wants to run. Yeah. Right. And so she had just lost to Kirsten. Mm -hmm. Right. So you literally put... To replace John McCain, you literally put the person that the people just said they don't want. Right. And you go, oh, okay. So. So she was a placeholder for him. Right. So she was so a placeholder because if she had won, right, then he can't challenge her. Like that can't mm-hmm. happen because he that was that was his pick. So I think he expected her to lose um, because he probably knew that the voters would be vindictive about that. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a good candidate. Uh, you know, and so, yeah, but I, if he runs, then that was the long game in my opinion. And that's, that's what I see. So is he termed out in 2022 uh-huh. and then he'd be able to run against Mark Kelly at that point? Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. So all eyes on Arizona in 2022. Yeah. But it'll be fun though. If he has to drop to run, mm-hmm. right. If he drops governor to run, then that will put, uh, Katie Hobbs, Katie Hobbs 
in the driver's seat as a dem uh which i hope i hope she is considering right because that's my thing now is who's who's going to be our candidate who's going to be the mm-hmm. dem candidate and i'm hoping i'm hoping katie is is looking seriously at that because i think she's you know i don't know this election this election was hard and and she had a lot of press around it um but I thought it was good press and, yeah. you know, but I'm not sure she did, you know, and it was, and it was hard. She had death threats and people outside That's her house. Crazy. And I mean, it's just amazing what people were willing to do for intimidation, um, you know, around, around the election. It was crazy. Yeah. Well, and I, I worry that that component or, you know, that subset of the Republican party, I worry they don't go away until Trump goes away. And, uh, you know, that doesn't appear to be happening anytime soon. Um, but we'll see. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully he'll be in a red jump there in a orange jumpsuit soon to match his orange makeup. But I hope so. Uh, <laughs> we can only hope. And, you know, I think the like, you know, lost my train of thought, but I think the uh, having President Biden and Vice President Harris in the White House is will change things in a way that you know it just ends the chaos, it ends the lies, it ends the corruption, and hopefully, you know, it will show people that government can work again. Um, yeah. If we win the Senate in Georgia, um, so Kathy, it's been a pleasure. It's been great. It's been great. Congrats we on should being do this back. More often. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I feel like it, it, I had been considering it for, you know, some time just because it was an outlet. And I know, you know, you kind of felt the same way when you were doing it, uh, yeah. uh, doing the podcast and doing the blog and that, but, um, it just got to a point where I felt like I was yelling into a void. So now I'm going to yell into a microphone and, uh, talk to people and hear stories and figure out ways to make things better. So yeah, uh, it's, it, it's great. No, kudos. I, I'm glad, you know, like I said, right, this pandemic that we're in has the pluses and minuses. And so one of the pluses <laughs> is that you're, you're back doing this. So it's great. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. And uh, let's not do it, you know, eight years from now, let's, let's do it more often. Anytime, <laughs> anytime. And you well, can always you. check me out on TikTok. Kathy Young um, underscore, just saying. All right. You got to check me out. To, uh, <laughs> did, I, did I follow you on TikTok? I don't I know no that idea. I followed anybody. <laughs> like I said, I was on there th- for 35 seconds and I, you know, threw my arms up in the air and I said, I'm I mean, too I'm old for this. I'm kind of a big deal. I have like 8,000 <laughs> followers. So, oh, you know, wow. I mean. Well, 8,001 no, coming up soon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm right on the cusp of, you know, getting endorsements and stuff. <laughs> Right. Yes, absolutely. You're, you're an influencer. Oh, yeah. You're a Gen X influencer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> well, thanks again, Kathy. I hope you have a wonderful holiday with you and your family. And, you uh, too. It's good to see your face. All right. We'll see you. Thank you for listening to Nathan Out Loud. Please be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find the show on all of the social media platforms. And if you have any comments, feedback, or would like to be a guest on the show, please email me at comments at nathanoutloud.com or call 802-32-BE-OUT. That's 
3688. I will talk to you soon on the next episode of Nathan Out Loud. And in the meantime, come out, be out, live out loud.